Good morning, City Light Church. My name is Gavin. I'm a pastor at the church, and I cannot help but smile. God owes us nothing, but in Jesus, he's given us everything. And uh, what a privilege to be a part of a church family that, that cherishes the word of God, that proclaims the gospel, that holds fast to Jesus Christ, and that's seen uh, a small movement of God even in our midst. It is my greatest joy and privilege to be a part of this thing. And uh, today uh, is just one of the best moments. In the history of our church, in the life of, of our church, it's these moments that are some of the very best moments uh, in our church family. In just a minute, we're going to hear some testimonies um, from some people whose lives have been touched by Jesus Christ. Not only touched, but saved. Gone from spiritual death and sin to life by faith in Jesus Christ, and uh, they're going to share their testimonies. And then between the two hours, we get to witness more than 20 people who are being baptized, signifying their union with Christ, that in Christ they are dead to their sin, they're alive because of what Jesus has done for them. And all of this on our third birthday, where we celebrate God's grace to this local church for three years. And uh, on this day, I am just thrilled. And so as we thought about this morning, we thought, man, we have baptisms to get through. We've got some testimonies. It's our birthday. Um, What are we going to do? Do we uh, shoot a video and tell the story and have people on the stage that talk about the life of the church? Do we, and as we thought about it, we thought, you know what, for, for three years, this church has been built on the word of God. And even though I don't have very much time this morning, we're going to preach the word of God. Amen? Amen. So would you open in your Bibles with me? To Romans chapter 15. I want to look this morning at verses 17 through 21. Uh, If you'll allow me, we're going to, I don't care if you don't allow me, uh, we're going to press the pause button on the Luke series. We're going to pick that back up next week and continue trekking through that uh, until Easter. But in the meantime, I I think just as we prayed and and thought, I I think the Lord would have us anchor our celebration uh, in this text today, uh, Romans. And um, by the grace of God, pray for me. I want to do this in about 15 minutes. You think I can do that? Chris doesn't think I can. I think I can. 15, 20 max, all right? 20 minutes, uh, but I need you to dial in. It's going to be pedal down. So get your Bibles out. Um, the reason why we're going to look at this is, is this. This is, this is Paul, the apostle, the pastor, the church planter, um, who has met Jesus, an amazing testimony that we've talked about in this church before. And he's writing a letter to the church in Rome. It's a church he hasn't been to. It's not a church that he planted directly, um, likely some of his disciples, some folks that he has, has invested in. And um, because Paul had never gotten to this church, we get one of the best gifts, I believe, in the Bible, which is 16 chapters of, of Paul breaking down the theological gospel doctrine, the gospel truth, 16 rich chapters that have spoken to me. Uh, this is where I met Jesus, is in the book of Romans, but we're going to look at the end of the book of Romans in the second to last chapter, chapter 15, wherein Paul is encouraging the church by telling them about his fruitful ministry. So he's got this church that he loves, and he's going to tell them, you guys, things have gone well. Things are going really good. We have seen fruitfulness. We have seen success in ministry. And the reason why I want us as a church family to look at this text of Scripture today is because I think in it we see a good example. We see a godly example of how to respond when God's grace has moved in and among you. Okay? Uh, and, and what I don't want to do is compare the three years of City Light Church, uh, in, you know, in our ministry and fruitfulness to the Apostle Paul. That's just weird. But, but I do want to realize, you guys, we have seen God do some stuff. 
God has answered prayer. He has moved in lives. And now we have a stewardship as a church family. What are we going to do now? God has shown us favor. He has answered prayer. He has stirred in hearts. So now what? Now what? That's the question that I want to answer together with you today out of Romans 15. And uh, so read along with me. It'll be on the screen starting in verse 17. Paul says, In Christ Jesus then... I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ." And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. I want to break our scripture down into two ideas that I want to preach into our church this morning. The first one is this. I want to declare out of this text for our church a gospel gag order, a gospel gag order. Uh, What I mean by a gospel gag order isn't that we wouldn't speak of the gospel, the exact opposite. That we would would declare a gag order on anything that isn't the gospel, that anything that, that isn't what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus has done among us. I want to show you in the text. There's this interesting thing that's happening in verses 17 and 18. In verse 17, Paul is saying, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. And in verse 16, right before we learn what his work for God was, he said, Jesus told me to be an apostle to the Gentiles, to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. In other words, the people that had been outside of the covenant family of God, the people who did not have the Bible in their hands, the people uh, who were aliens and strangers to God and his relationship and his grace, Jesus told me to go to them and tell them that God was for them that God had come in the person and the work of Jesus Christ to save them from their sins so that they could be included in the family of God. And what Paul is saying, I've done it. Later on, he says, I have fulfilled the ministry of taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And so Paul is saying, listen, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Uh, We know from Acts and and other scriptures that, that Paul did have reason. He had been faithful to go to the least of these and to preach and proclaim the gospel even in the face of adversity, and he had seen tremendous fruit. He would show up in a Gentile town and preach the gospel. The Spirit of God would fall on that place. He planted more than a few churches. He rose up more than a few pastors and fellow church planters. He catalyzed and initiated more than a few disciple-making movements in the communities that he preached in on his three different missionary journeys. He had a reason to be proud, and it wasn't easy. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says that in so doing, he had been whipped five times. He had been uh, beaten with the rod three times. He had been uh, shipwrecked three times. He had been stoned and left for dead one time. He had gone without food and sleep. He had been robbed. He had faced critics and haters and false teachers and thugs. He was dinged up a little bit, but he was still getting it done. He was like a Peyton Manning. He had some scars. He had some surgeries. But he's still executed, okay? And so Paul is saying, I have reason to be proud. 
Jesus told me to do something and I did it. And we saw some fruit. But here's the thing that's interesting. Look at the very next verse. After he says, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, he says, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. He says, I have reason to be proud, but I will not venture to speak of anything except for what Christ has done. I have reason to be proud of what I've done. He said, but it's not about what I've done. It's about what Christ has done in me and through me. He realizes that, um, yeah, he's put in some late nights. He's put forth some effort. He's done some heavy lifting. He's done some difficult things. But the whole time, it was Christ working through him. He's saying, we need to tell the story. We need to be proud. We need to tell the story, but listen very carefully. We need to point to the author of the story, which is Jesus Christ. We can preach. We can pray. We can proclaim the gospel, but the power comes from the Spirit of God. The power comes from the power of God. He says additionally in verse 19 that it was by, um, by word and deed, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by signs and wonders. Where does the power of the Holy Spirit come from? Where do signs and wonders come from? Our efforts or God's? God's. He's saying, I'm going to declare a gospel gag order. I will not venture to say anything except for what Christ has done through me. And City Light, I think in this season of our church, I want us to, to look back at all that has been accomplished, as, as Chris did so well in the call to worship time, but I also want us to recognize that the whole thing was Christ working through us. And I would like to declare a gospel gag order that for this church, that for this community, our anthem would be, isn't Jesus incredible? We're going to tell the story of what he's done, and we're going to point to the author and say, isn't Jesus mighty to save? Incredible. Uh, in this room, there's 313 helium balloons, 312 because my son popped one um, earlier, but uh, a few dangling down, don't read into that. And they, uh, they aren't orange because the Broncos are going to win today. That's just a secondarily in God's providence that worked out. Um, <laughs> those 313 balloons represent um, people who have been saved by Jesus Christ and then baptized in City Light Church in the last three years. 313 people. That's incredible. It's incredible. Today we have 40 city groups that didn't exist three years ago. City groups are mid-sized community that live on mission in different networks of our city or neighborhoods in our city to be and make disciples of each other and to reach out to our community. 40 of those just in our church, not including Benson, that scatter throughout the week that did not exist. That's absolutely incredible. As Chris said, in September, City Light Benson was planted by J.D. and Tyler. A hundred or so people came from here, bought a new building, new community. Today they worship with over 300 people, baptisms and celebrations of their own. It's incredible. Pastor Eric and Pastor Doug are planting City Light Council Bluffs. They're going to start meeting in April with their core team, launch later this fall. And uh, the, the movement that they have already seen, even before their core team, is unprecedented. Absolutely incredible. Every Sunday in this 
old bakery uh, bread warehouse, almost 1,500 people gathered to hear the Word of God preached and to worship Jesus in 2016. That's incredible. People say that that young people don't go to church anymore, that um, this message is too antiquated, that the exclusivity of Christ and, and, and the proclamation of the gospel, it just doesn't work anymore. You need to get more clever than that. You need to market it and spin it and have gimmicks. And, and we've seen, no, you don't. Jesus Christ still speaks through his word, through his Holy Spirit, and to his people. It's absolutely incredible. We've seen an incredible move of God. On a similar note, we've eaten 69,400 donuts in three years. I don't know if that's incredible or if that's like confession of sin. I think, Lord, have mercy on us. Just anoint these bodies with health the other six days of the week. Um, Hy-Vee really does love us. I think I'm going to buy some stock. We're keeping them uh, going. But you know what? None of this happens if Jesus didn't show up and breathe life into this thing and bring power into this thing. The Holy Spirit of God did not, did not come with signs and wonders and word and deed and power from on high. Because we know, just like Paul, that we can preach, we can pray, and we can proclaim the gospel, but the power comes from God alone. If God doesn't show up, um, uh, we, we're like a treadmill. You get exhausted and tired and spend a lot of energy, but you get nowhere. And so I just, I want to declare that to our church. I think just like Paul, he said, listen, I have reason to be proud Um, Church, I have reason to be proud of you. To be a part of this team, this church family is an incredible group of people. Um, I think we as a church have reason to be proud. There have been sleepless nights. Um, In the last three years, there has been a lot of hard work. There has been money given sacrificially. There has been stress. There has been tears. There has been long prayers, adversity, long hours, heavy lifting. There have been rearranged schedules and rearranged lives. And I would say it has not been easy. We've seen an amazing move of God's grace, but it has not been easy. And I think as a church, we have reason to be proud. You guys have been faithful to lean into Jesus, to open up your homes, to sit down with the Bible and speak into people's lives, to be and make disciples of Jesus Christ, to herald the gospel, to open up your living rooms and let the kids color on your walls. And I know there's a cost to being in city groups and hosting city groups, but you guys have been faithful. You've loved this community and invested in one another, and I think we have reason to be proud. But like Paul, I want to say, let us boast in nothing but Jesus Christ and what he's done through us. Let us, let us declare a gospel gag order that, it, that, that we would venture to speak of nothing except for how Christ has worked in and among us. And while we're at it, can I just speak in on a personal level? Uh, if you're someone in the room today and you would say, you know what, God has worked in my life. Uh, it's not just a church story and a community thing, but It could have been 30 years ago, 50 years ago, last week. You would say, you know what? God has moved in here. I have seen God deliver me from some things that I didn't think I was going to get out of. I've been met with an amazing Savior who has saved me from my sins and put his Holy Spirit inside of me and empowered me for ministry and to walk with him. I've seen God bring me out of some things that I never could have gotten out of on my own. Would you join us as a church and make it your personal anthem to just say, I will never venture to speak of anything except for what Christ has done in me. And then would we as a church beat the same drum over and over and over that God is good, we are not. We are sinners, but he is mighty to save the sinner like me. And he has saved us at the cross. He has put his Holy Spirit inside of us and he has empowered us as a church to be a gospel witness in this community. 
And uh, as long as he dwells among us, that we're going to be faithful to that, that we would declare a gospel gag order in this place. That's number one. Number two, from our text this morning, I want to call us to a gospel ambition to press on in the days, months, years, maybe decades ahead. A gospel ambition. There's this transition that happens in verse 20. Look again at your text. Remember, this is Paul. For the first couple of verses, he's saying, you know, I have reason to be proud, but I'm not even going to talk about it because all I really want to talk about is what Jesus has done. It's all past tense. I have fulfilled my ministry. Jesus has done an amazing work. But then look at verse 20. There's a, there's a transition. He says, and thus. In other words, because of all that, because of God's faithfulness, because of God's goodness, because of what God has done, because of that, and thus, I make it my ambition to just coast out from here, retire early, and just wait for... Oh, wait, that's a different translation. No, what does it say? And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. He's saying, I've already fulfilled my ministry. But he says, but now I have a renewed ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. And he goes on to quote Isaiah, saying that that he's going to preach the gospel to the most overlooked, the most unreached, the most unlikely people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love this. One of the things I love about this is that at at this point, when Paul penned the the book of Romans, he was most likely in his mid, maybe late mid-50s, which for a first century man was an old man. I realize that's young today, so don't feel judged if you're older than 50, Dory. You're young. Um, but Paul in the first century wasn't, he was an old man. He's, he's in his mid-50s without uh, modern health care and dental care, and, and uh, he is not taking care of himself, right? He's been um, whipped five times. Imagine the scars on his back. Imagine the, um, the, the cartilage or lack thereof in his knees as he's been chained up for, for large lengths of time because of his gospel ministry. This guy is old. He's tired. His body is broken down. And even in this season, he says, let's go. Let's go. Because God has showed up, I have an ambition to preach the gospel where Christ hasn't even been named yet. I love that. He had every reason to coast in this season of life, but he looks back at God's past faithfulness, and it compels him, it empowers him, it propels him forward with an ambition to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ all the more. And City Light, here's the principle. God's past faithfulness produces in God's people an ambition to trust God for more. Write that down. Tweet it out. Dory, open a Twitter account. Chris will help you. Tweet that out. God's past faithfulness produces in God's people an ambition to trust God for more. In other words, when we see God move in mighty ways, we don't sit back and say, well, isn't that nice? Shouldn't we high five and coast? Pass me a donut. No, God's past faithfulness produces in us an ambition to say, well, well, if he did that, what more does he want to do? And so here's Paul in his 50s saying, let's go. There are people that have not heard about Jesus and I'm going to take it to him. Let's go in City Life for us as a church family. I want us to take this occasion on our birthday to look back and say, isn't what Jesus did amazing? That we would lift him high, that we would make much of him, that we would sing his praises, that we would exalt and glorify Jesus Christ. And then we would look forward and say, with a renewed, gritty, Holy Spirit-inspired ambition, we are going to press on to preach the gospel to proclaim this book to our city and to stand on its foundation, to make disciples of Jesus Christ that know how to not only trust him but obey him in every area of life. 
and then to multiply churches throughout our region, to give our very best away, that we will continue to raise up young people, that the whole world says, no, 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 they're not interested in church anymore. Uh, This antiquated message isn't for this generation, right? No, we've seen just the opposite. And we're committed to invest in young people, to raise up church planners, to give them at-bats in the pulpit, to, to give our best resources away. God's past faithfulness produces in God's people a holy ambition to trust him for more. City Light, would that be our story? Would that be our story? What's our five-year plan? It's to put the pedal down and to trust Jesus for more. That more than ever, we would trust him to show up. It's to do the hard work of being and making disciples. It's to plant very new churches with, that preach a very old message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. My greatest fear, if I could be candid with you, having... Uh, planted this thing with Chris and a team of people. As I think about City Light and, and our legacy and where we're going and what are going to be, my greatest fear is that in 30 years from now, we would have a big bank account and a swanky facility and some really comfortable chairs, but be missing the ambition to preach and proclaim the gospel like eternity depended on it. And to be missing the gritty sense of calling from the Holy Spirit to give our whole lives to this thing that we, that we once had in the early days. And we're busting our tails, painting a chapel, and, and trying to reach the neighborhood, that that would never escape us. My, my greatest dream is that in 30 years, we would be so busted broke and so tired because we leveraged every single thing we had to make the glory and fame of Jesus known. That Chris and I would be exhausted because we keep sending out the best pastors that we hire to plant new churches, that we would be broke because every time a dollar comes in, we would invest it back in the community or further back into church planting. My greatest dream is that we would be able to look back over the 30 years and say, man, we, we don't have a lot in the bank account, but we have some very simple structures and we have a whole wake behind us. This city has been rocked by an insurgence of gospel faithful churches, People walking with Jesus. The Word of God being heralded every single Sunday morning in this city. That's my greatest dream. That God's past faithfulness would produce in us an ambition to trust God for more in the future. Band, why don't you guys come up? I just lost a bet by going over 15 minutes, so I'm just going to stop talking. But instead, let's pray. And uh, we thought it would be fitting this morning. We're going we're gonna to sing an old hymn uh, called All Glory Be to Christ. And I want this to be an anthem in this church, okay? This is our third birthday. This is a big day. We're celebrating the grace of God. And uh, would we celebrate that all the glory goes to Jesus as we sing together? And so let's pray. Jesus, there is no one like you. I'll never forget three years ago, um, opening up 1 Corinthians 15, preaching the Bible, the sun coming in through the stained glass windows, and just being in awe of the work that you had already done. And then that first summer, as we heard testimonies and watched the baptisms, I just had to pinch myself. I, I couldn't believe it. And now here it is, with this church family that um, we all love so much. And we look back at another um, three years of your continued grace and faithfulness. Jesus, would your spirit never leave this place? Would that sense of ambition 
and, and drive um, to know you more and to make you known, never leave this. Oh God, would we never become an organization with programs that just perpetuates its existence because money comes in. But would we be a faithful people that call on the Spirit of God, that preach the Word of God, and that live as the church um, every day of the week. And so, um, Jesus, as we sing out to you be the glory, would that be the most sincere prayer from our hearts on our birthday, that you be glorified in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.